Well, good morning to you and welcome to Bellevue Baptist Church. And it's good to be together in the Lord's house. Amen. And we welcome those of you who are joining us online. And we have guests today and uh, we welcome you guys. Welcome home. And uh, we're glad to see our guest. And if I haven't met you yet, I'll be in the gathering place and uh, come out and let me get, a, get acquainted and get to know you. Well, today I begin a new series called A Trip to Graceland to See the King. And uh, grace is not a new word for us. It's a familiar word, and because it's so familiar, that can be a problem. And when you're using a word that's been around since the church began, <clears throat> and has been talked about all of our life, Sometimes we sort of meet it with a yawn and we think, well, what's so amazing about grace? And you've heard countless sermons on it. You've read books on it. I counted this morning, I think I have eight books in my library on grace. So my prayer in approaching an old familiar subject is that you will see it again for the first time as, uh, as, we, as we begin. So... I hope, I hope you'll stay with us. Yesterday, as we all know, was the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And if you're old enough, you remember where you were. And in the days that followed, our nation came together as never before. And as Evan said, we came to God as never before. Evan, that was a great, great song. Great, great song. He's going to sing it tonight at Trio if you want to go up and hear it again. And church attendance was marvelous during that time. It was like Easter Sunday for several weeks. And uh, we grieved. We grieved for the families of the 3,000 that were killed. But did you know that 3,000 children lost a parent that day? Did you know that 1,300 children lost both parents that day? There were eight children on the three planes that were used as, as bombs. I read this week in U.S. News and World Report that 890,000 people, almost 900,000 people, have died in the 20 years as a result of 9-11. 900,000. Military on both sides. Uh, contractors, civilians, more civilians were killed in Afghanistan than military, civilian contractors, civilians that were journalists, civilians that were there for humanitarian efforts, trying to help those people put their life back together. So it was a, it was a sad day and the results continue to be. So today, in recognition of 9-11, I, I want to pray a prayer. Uh, as we think about 9-11. Will you pray with me? Father, on September the 11th, 2001, loss came into our world in a shocking and tragic way. Loss of innocence as a nation. Loss of our security in our world. Loss of lives and livelihood for so many individuals. And we shall never be the same after that black day. And yet we have survived. We are marked and we are scarred 
and we still find need for healing as yesterday all those services revealed. But we have survived to see September the 11th, 2021. And so we mark this time with prayers of thanksgiving, prayers for guidance as we look forward and move forward. And Father, thank you that you have given us strength beyond our expectation to meet the challenges of living in a post 9-11 world. And as the nation paused yesterday to remember, we remembered those who died tragically and we remembered the heroes, the firefighters who ran into that place, the policemen, all the first responders, nurses, doctors, clergy, so many ordinary citizens who gave so much of themselves that day to others. And yet here we are again after 20 years and we realize the stark reality that terror still affects our daily lives. So help us in our fearfulness to place our hope and our trust in you. So Father, guide and inspire our leaders to make wise decisions for our future, for our homeland, and for our people. And Father, as we have mentioned time again in this service, we have come to pray together for one another today and our communities and our, some families in our community have suffered great losses this week. We pray for Tammy and her family as they grieve Charlie. We pray for Jim Jones and his family as they grieve for Sandy and for Vanita and her family in the death of Mona. Father, we pray for our troops today particularly those in her harm's way. And we pray particularly for our Levi. Keep him safe and bring him home to us. Now pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today. Give each of us just the message you want us to hear because we pray to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Philip Yancey in his outstanding book, What's So Amazing About Grace, says that grace means there is nothing we can do to make God love us more, and grace means there is nothing that we can do to make God love us less. Grace means that God already loves us as much as an infinite God can possibly love. So in Graceland, the king is the king of all grace. Ephesians, the second chapter. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us. Jeremiah 31, 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. John 3, 16 and 17. Look at the screen. Read it out loud with me together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
and 1 Peter 5.10, but may the God of all grace, the God of all grace. I want to look at three ways this morning that grace makes a difference in our lives. Let's start with this. In Graceland, God's redeeming grace cancels our guilt. In Graceland, God's redeeming grace cancels our guilt. That is the beginning. Now, since there is nobody perfect in this room, we are all guilty. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. And as a result of that, we have a lot of guilt feelings. But Ephesians 1 says this, In Christ we are set free by the blood of his death so that we have forgiveness of sins. How rich is God's grace which he has given to us so freely. God's redeeming grace cancels our guilt. David Jeremiah and Max Lucado have written great books about grace, and in their books they tell the same story, a true story, that illustrates how grace cancels guilt. In New York in 2004, a carload of delinquents were on a joyride, and their spree started at the local Cinemax, where they broke into a car and they stole credit cards. They went to a video store and put $400 worth of video games and, uh, and DVDs on that card. And of all things, they went to the grocery store to get some, some things to eat. And of all things, the surveillance camera caught them buying a 20-pound turkey. Now remember the turkey. Victoria Rovella, 44 years old, is heading to her Long Island home. It is sleeting, it is cold, the roads are slick, and she is anxious to get home, get on her couch by a warm fire, and to relax. She does not remember seeing the silver Nissan approach her from the east. She does not remember the 18-year-old hanging out the window up with a frozen turkey, of all things, that he threw at her windshield. That 20-pound turkey crashed into Victoria's windshield and it bends the steering wheel inward, smashing into her face and it breaks every bone that it encounters. Victoria is left with a fight for her life in the ICU only after she survived eight hours of surgery where the doctors wired her jaws shut they affixed her eye in a film, in a synthetic film, to hold it, and they put titanic bolts in her head and gave her a tracheotomy. The media in New York ran with the story. People were outraged and had a cry for justice. On August the 15th in 2005, Victoria fa faced Ryan Cushing, face to reconstructed face in the courtroom. A trembling Ryan Crushing pleads guilty to a lesser charge. He is given only six months in jail, five years probation, 
a bit of counseling, a dash of public service, and the country and the people of New York are outraged. They are indignant. Is that all the punishment this kid gets for what he did? Who in the world was responsible for this bargain plea anyway? It was Victoria Raviola. She asked the court to give Ryan leniency. Ryan makes his plea and then he turns to Victoria. He's no longer this cocky, turkey, tossing kid in a Nissan. He is trembling, he is tearful, he is apologetic, he is weeping uncontrollably, and his attorney leads him over to Victoria, and Victoria holds him tight and strokes his hair as he sobs on her shoulder. And Victoria whispered in his ear, Ryan, I forgive you. I want your life to be the best that it can be. Now, it takes an event like that to bring New York lawyers and judges to tears, and it did. It brought the judge and the lawyers into court to tears. And the TV reporters and the news reporters filed their story in hushed and respectful voices for a change. And the New York Times dubbed it a moment of grace. The amazing grace of Victoria Rovola canceled the guilt of Ryan Cushing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. My sins, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sins, not in part, but the whole, are nailed to the cross, and I bear them no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. God's redeeming grace cancels our guilt, but it doesn't stop there. God's renewing grace changes our life. God's renewing grace changes our life. Hebrews 13, 9 says, It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods, which are of no value to those who eat them. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Now, how do you live the Christian life anyway? Colossians 2, 6 Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, watch the word, continue to live in him. It says the way that you become a Christian is the way that you continue to live a Christian. So how did we become a Christian? By being perfect? No, 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 no. How do we live the Christian life? By being perfect? No, 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 no. By simply receiving God's grace and growing in grace. The Bible says that God is working in our lives and the more we let him work in our lives, the faster we are going to grow as Christians. God's redeeming grace has changed probably the life of every person in this room this morning. And when we become Christians, a fundamental change takes place in our life when we allow the grace of God to work in our lives and change us.
Are you familiar with the story of Louis Zamberini? Does anybody know about Louis Zamberini? It captured the attention of America back in the 1940s. But not, on, not long ago, thanks to a wonderful biography uh, about him by Laura Hildenbrand called Unbroken, a World War II Story of Survival, Resilience, and Redemption. And it was later made into a movie, Unbroken. Anybody see the movie Un Unbroken? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you would think that a man who survived two plane crashes, a Japanese POW camp, floating for 47 days, 47 days in a raft in the South Pacific would be able to conquer anything. But this World War II veteran, this Olympic athlete, could not win the battle that he was fighting over alcohol and depression until, until he encountered the life-transforming message of Jesus Christ when his wife practically dragged him to a Billy Graham crusade that was meeting under a circus tent in Los Angeles, 1949. He said in a video that they recently made of him, my life was completely changed ever since. Now, the book Unbroken tells the complete story of his life but the movie Unbroken does not. The movie Unbroken leaves out his conversion to Jesus Christ under that tent and how he went on to use his life for Jesus Christ. So Billy Graham and his crew, they made a new video called Captured by Grace. And it tells the complete story of Zambini's life, of, of uh, Zambini's life after he became a Christian. He was, in World War II, he was a bombardier. His plane was shot down into the South Pacific. He and another guy were the only two that survived. Clung to that life raft, which was not fully inflated, for 47 days. And he prayed, he prayed for the first time in his life, God, if you get me out of this and get me back to America, I will serve you and I will seek you and serve you. Well, Zambini made it back to America. But before, he didn't make it back until he was picked up, he and his buddy were picked up by the Japanese. He was sent to a POW camp. He was tortured unmercifully. He almost starved to death in that camp. And in one of those camps, there was a Japanese soldier that the, the prisoners titled him the bird, the bird. He was a vicious, sadistic, cruel man. And he made it his mission to break Louis Zamberini. Louis Zamberini said his belt was five inches wide half an inch thick with a big steel buckle. He took that off and hit me across the temple, knocked me to the floor, blood spurted out of my head. I was constantly being tormented by this guy, and you talk about hate, I wanted to kill him. Louis started having nightmares in prison camp that plagued him long after he returned home. 
And he said, the nightmares were there every night and I could not get rid of them. See, time was not healing Louis' wounds, but were making him worse. One night he dreamed that he was strangling the bird, that vicious guard, and woke up to find that he was strangling his wife. And he was scared and he was desperate. And the only way that he knew how to deal with it was to get drunk every night. And every night he would get drunk and get drunk and get drunk to forget the horrors that plagued him. Well, this kept going on. His wife could do nothing about it. Finally, she decided she was going to divorce him. Here is this man, after surviving so much in the war, was about to lose everything that he had. And that's when a concerned neighbor invited Cynthia to the Billy Graham crusade in Los Angeles under that big tent, as the press called a canvas cathedral. She accepted the friend's invitation to the crusade. She accepted Jesus Christ. Louis wanted nothing to do with Christianity. But his heart began to soften whenever Cynthia told him, Louis, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to stay with you. And we will try to see this through. He went to the crusade the first night. He stormed out of the tent and he said, I will never go back there again. Do not ask me to go back again. Well, miraculously, God doing the work, he went back to the crusade. And this time, the Bible verses that Billy Graham quoted went straight to his heart. He said, of all my death experiences, my life never passed before my eyes. But when Billy Graham quoted scripture, my life did pass before my eyes. And for the first time in years, he remembered that commitment, that promise that he had made to God while he was floating in that raft on the Pacific, in the South Pacific. And he said, my eyes did pass before me, and what I saw was ugly. Yes, I had a lot of great times, great experiences, and a lot of escape from death, but I still didn't like my my life after the war. It was terrible. That night he went forward. He accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. And the biggest miracle of his life was set in motion. I think we have a picture of him with Billy Graham. The black and white is he and Billy Graham together in 1949 at the crusade. And Billy Graham asked him to address the crusade uh, after he found out about Louis' conversion. And then here is Billy Graham and him when they're old age. I think he is 90, I think Zambrini's 94 years old. He lived to be 97. And that's the book, Unbroken, that he's holding in his hand. Well, he went to Japan. He went to Japan and preached to Japanese soldiers. These Japanese troops now were prisoners of war. They were behind bars for their war crimes. And Zambrini preached to them and he saw many of them except Christ. In 1998, he went back to Japan for an Olympic event and he tried his best to see the bird. He wanted to go and see the bird and tell the bird that he had forgiven him 
and try to present the gospel to him. Well, the bird would have nothing to do with it. He did not want to see him. Louis wrote him a letter and told him, I forgive you of all the atrocities that you did to me during that time I was in prison. And I forgive you, and I pray that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Louis started a ministry called Victory Boys Camp for Troubled Youth, and he poured his life into serving God through those boys and through those young men, young men that were in trouble like he was when he was growing up during the Depression. He went on to share his faith around the world, speaking to several Billy Graham crusades, cultivating a friendship with Billy that lasted until his death in 2014. He said this, the Billy Graham thing is a phenomenal miracle in the way that it started, the way that it spread out. I'm one guy that got saved and I've spoken to hundreds of thousands and had my testimony in papers where it was read by millions, one person, think of the spider web effect all over the world. Wow. More than his tale of courage and resilience in the war, Louis' life is a powerful, powerful look at the transforming grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A man whose life was completely turned around by the rescuing grace of Jesus Christ. Therefore, if any person is in Christ Jesus, what is the word? He is a what? New creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God's renewing grace is the only thing that can work that miracle. The only thing that could break the crust of Louis' old life, and the only thing that can break and the crust of our old life is the grace, the grace of God's renewing grace that changes our life. All right, let's do a little review. God's redeeming grace cancels our guilt. God's renewing grace changes our life. And in the light of the 20th anniversary of, of 2011, 2011, 2011, and in the light of all that we've experienced with the grief of that, that just brought to the surface yesterday all that we had suffered, all those emotions. And I, I did not watch any of it except Billy Graham's sermon that he preached at the Nice Cathedral those few days after, after it happened. But God's renewing grace comforts our hurts. And today we have people in our community that are hurting. We have people in our community who are suffering, continually suffering from COVID-19. And we wonder when is it ever going to stop? And so I think we need God's rescuing grace to comfort our hearts. Amen. God's grace can keep us going when we are in pain, no matter the pain. When we want to give up, God's renewing grace is there to comfort our hurts. 
I did watch Lisa Beamer speak at Wheaton College. Lisa Beamer, you remember her husband, Todd Beamer, was on Flight 93 that went down in Pennsylvania. He was the one who made famous, guys, are you ready? Let's roll. Lisa and Todd graduated from Wheaton College, and she was invited back to speak in chapel for the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And over and over in that sermon, tearful as it was for her, she kept stressing during the last 20 years, it's been God's goodness and it's been God's grace that have kept me on my feet. Goodness and grace. Goodness and grace. If she said it once, I bet she said it 20 times during that talk. The Apostle Paul knew something about this. Paul had some kind of disability. We don't know what it was. He asked God to take it away. Three times he prayed to take it away, and God said this. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God can take the unpleasantness of our pain and our suffering and turn it into durability by his power. And you see, he invites us to come boldly to his throne of grace, this reservoir of never-ending supply and find grace to help us when we need it. Look what he says. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So his grace is available for the taking. And when you have a problem, the problems that we continue to experience, the crisis that we continue to experience, the stress that we continue to experience, and the tension, you pray for God's grace. And two things are going to happen. One, he'll remove it just like that. Or two, more than likely, he will leave it. He will leave the pain at yet he will give us grace to handle it. How have we gotten through all of this since 2019? How have we made it through all of this? Grace. God's grace. And when we get this down, folks, nothing can devastate our life. No problem. No crisis. No hurt, no memory, no harm, no stress. When we realize that God's grace is sufficient. And we go to the reservoir and we seek grace anew, anew. Some of you say, well, Eldie, that sounds like a pretty good deal. How do I get it? How do I get it? James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The key to receiving God's grace is to admit that you need it. Doesn't that make sense? The key to receiving God's grace is to admit that I need it. See, pride. Pride prevents us from receiving God's grace. As long as I think I'm self-dependent, I can handle it. 
I don't need anybody to tell me what it's all about. I've got it all together. I can take this. Remember what we learned a few weeks ago? The little saying that has become my mantra for life? I can't. You can. You never said I could. You said you always would. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, which of these three graces do you need this morning? Hmm? Do you need God's redeeming grace to cancel your guilt? Do you need God's redeeming grace to right all the wrongs in your life? How would you like to be able to go to bed tonight knowing that your conscience is clear? It's been covered by the blood of Jesus. He's forgiven it. He's forgotten it. And the way to accept that clear conscience is by God's redeeming grace through Jesus Christ. Or maybe you need God's renewing grace to change your life. Hmm? Your life's off track. You know it's not right. You know you're not as close to God as you want to be. You're not as close to God as you used to be. And maybe you've even fallen away. And you know everything's not right. You aren't living right. So you need God's renewing grace to change your life. And I think all of us this morning have come in here needing God's rescuing grace to comfort our hurts. Maybe you come here suffering, you suffer physically all the time. There's an emotional pain that you've been battling all the time. There is the pain of all that we have been going through through COVID. There is the pain of grief this morning because our loved ones are hurting and have lost loved ones. God's rescuing grace comforts our hurt. God's grace is available to you right now, today. Admit you need it, and then receive it. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the good news of grace. Grace, 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 God's grace. Thank you for your redeeming grace that cancels all of our guilt and makes us acceptable to a holy God through the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your renewing grace that can change us, to change a person like Louis Amberini from this hard-hearted, mean person into a man who used the rest of his life to spread the gospel. Thank you for the change of your grace that we see in this room. And Father, we continually need your rescuing grace to heal our hurts. We have people in our congregation, people in our community that are hurting. People in our world continue to hurt. All the hurt that was brought to the surface yesterday through the remembrance of 9-11. And we hurt. And we admit it. And we admit we you need your grace today. So I pray that you would just back your truck of grace up to our lives and just Dump it on us, Father, so that we can live for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name.
And all God's people said, Amen. Today we're going to give you an opportunity to receive God's grace into your life to cancel your guilt. To cancel your guilt. If you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, repent your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He will forgive you of all that stuff. And He'll not hold it accountable to you anymore. You'll stand before Him on the judgment day and it will not be there. You're covered by the righteousness of Jesus. What a deal. What a deal. But you have to admit, you have to admit, I have sinned. I can't save myself. I need God's grace. If you would like to become a member of our church, we would love to have you to be a part of it. If you need to obey him in believer's baptism, we'd love to help you to do that. And if we can pray for you after the service, we'd be more than happy to do that as well. We're going to sing a song of invitation. I'll be down front, and I pray that you make your decision while we sing.